Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and as always, this is my co-host. I am Chris Huddleston. And today, we are going to talk about <laughs> a very new release. So be aware that we do spoil it. So if you know if this is a movie that you're interested in seeing, I recommend that you um, not listen to this episode until you see it. Or whatever, maybe you don't care. But anyway, today we are going to be discussing the brand new release, The Suicide Squad. Uh, DC movie? Oh, uh, hang on. Uh, Let me set up the trailer again. Okay. The Suicide Squad. That's how you have to say it. That's right. That's how I had to say it. And we got to squeeze the trailer in there somewhere. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court need is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? Yo, they sent me this to a werewolf? Yo, let me out! He's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish? It's a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. No. All right. Let's get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! my dad. I'm going to get you out of your life. I'm going to get you out of here alone. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now, now it. Stay off the comp. Anyway, uh, yeah, so neither of us had seen it. It just came out. Uh, you saw it in the theater. I saw it on uh, HBO Max. That's where I guess That's, I, I actually didn't get around to seeing it in the theater. That was my plan, and I wound up watching it on HBO Max. So theater fell through. But The theater, not literally, I hope. No, it didn't, it didn't fall into the ground or anything. My ability to go and my plan to see it in the theater fell through. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, it doesn't matter. I can do the synopsis and then yes, synopsis. Do you have a synopsis for it? So the suicide, I I do. So supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Rev Bell Reeve. I don't know how it's pronounced. Prison join the super secret, super shady task force. Task Force X is they are dropped off at the remote enemy infused island of Corto Maltese. And this one was written and directed by James Gunn. It stars Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, Idris Elba. I'm never sure of that. Mm. Uh, John Cena and a bunch of other people. So, yeah, why don't you go first? All right. Um, I enjoyed it more than I was afraid I was going to. Um, I would say it's a couple of things at the top level. It's rated R, has to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's rated R for sure. So if you're thinking about, oh, kids like super, you might want to rethink this one a little bit. It's very graphic. Uh, The violence is, I mean, it's cartoony, but it is, there's a lot of splatter, a lot of gore, people getting ripped in half, heads blowing up, stuff like that. 
So there's a couple of times I was like, oh, damn, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it has fun with it, but that's part of it. It's very much, um, this is an R-rated comic book movie, so we're going to milk that for all it's worth. Lots and lots and lots of swearing. Um, it, it's It's a little all over the place, I think. Like, I think some of the humor in this one, maybe because it's Mr. Gunn directing, works better than a lot of the humor in other DC movies I've seen, um, especially the previous Suicide Squad movie. Um, but not all of the jokes land. Uh, and I think that, you know, some of the character conceptualizations were interesting slash funny slash good slash worked and some of them not so much. And it didn't all gel together. That being said, I think I went into it with the expectation um, sort of based on the previous Suicide Squad movie, which I thought was terrible. Um, And I thought this one was better. What did you think? My thoughts are fairly similar. I didn't hate the first movie. I I thought it was okay. With the original movie, I thought... The first half was pretty good, and then it just kind of devolved into the typical comic book thing where it was big battles, you know, with computer generated characters. So I didn't I didn't hate the original one. Um, I went into this one with pretty high expectations because the trailers were really good, Um, but the trailers for the original Suicide Squad were very good as well. So, you know, you can't really rely on trailers, I guess. But um, also, so for people who don't know, James Gunn is also the writer and director of the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which I enjoy a lot. So I went into this with pretty high expectations. I enjoyed it. It was definitely entertaining. I think my expectations were a little too high. I was... I, I felt I really wanted to like it more than what I wound up liking it the um i thought the best part of the movie was the opening and again major spoiler here spoilers here but the opening they introduce you sort of to this team of characters and they're going to invade this island in central america or south america it's a fictional island where there's a dictator there and so they send in this team which is harley quinn and then a bunch of other characters that you're probably not familiar with And they storm the beach and essentially everybody gets killed except Harley Quinn, which is really guy. There's a non super guy that is sort of a staple of the Suicide Squad too, Um, Colonel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Colonel Flagg, Rick Flagg. Yeah. Who was in the first movie as well. So it's Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn and then a bunch of literally nobodies that you've Mm -hmm. ever heard of before. Or maybe if you read DC Comics, you have. I, I mean, I don't. Some of these characters were existing, and some he made up. But I, I don't know these characters well enough. <laughs> some to of know, them were you know? genuinely funny. Yeah, some of these throwaway characters. This guy, <laughs> the detachable <laughs> arms guy, that was hilarious. <laughs> so, so, stu- <laughs> so stupid. And I thought that the, uh, I thought that the weasel was the funny. weasel was great. The weasel was great. <laughs> I thought the weasel was funny. And here's my pro. I liked the German guy with the javelin. That I don't know yeah. if you've that that guy. I don't know if he's an actor. Or he's just a comedian. I've seen him on, in interviews before, and he's really funny. But, What's his name? Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. it I, I I'll look it up here later. But it's a it's a it's a German you know a German name that I'm not sure how to pronounce. But but he's very funny. But. So it was a great gag. And so they play this kind of switcheroo where it's like, oh, you think these are your heroes or your anti-heroes? And they immediately almost all get killed. And then you find out, oh, no, it's another. They're the B team and there's another team. The problem with that is these characters seemed just as interesting as the team that we got. I felt, you know, so you have um, I thought by far the best character for me, the best character in the movie was Idris Elba. Yeah. Um, he's the leader. And just because he's such a great actor. Yeah. And know, he's he, funny. I mean, he's dramatic, which this, 
they try to give him some stuff to emote. And he emotes, but yeah. the script is so thin that you're kind of like, okay. I mean, you kind of, I was sitting there being like, man, Idris Elba is good, you know? But I already yes. knew that, you know? So I was just like, I could watch this guy tearfully read a cereal box and he's mm-hmm. riveting. He's a, he's awesome. Um, but in the, in the course of the movie, you know, there's some stuff with his daughter that actually touched me because she was terrific too. That was good. Yeah. But- the and that's another one of the problems that I had with the movie is other than him, anytime they tried to do some heartfelt things at times and it right. just fell flat. I right. felt it right. just it just didn't work. Right. Um, but you have uh, like the weasel. You said you know the weasel it was you know he's just in it for a couple of mo- couple of minutes and again another spoiler. You find out at the, I don't know if you got all the way through. Did did, did you go through the the yes. post credits to find that he survived? So <laughs> he didn't really die, you know. And he, uh, but uh, so I guess they set it up. You know, he can be in another movie if if they do it. But so in the other team, kind of the the character that would be similar to the weasel is this shark guy who's called King Shark. He's voiced by Sylvester Stallone, and he was fine, but pretty much everything that he does, you see in the trailer, which that's another, I mean, that's not necessarily a problem, uh, you know, a fault of James Gunn. That's a fault of modern trailers, but almost all of the jokes are in, are in the trailers basically, you know, but I didn't think, you know, he was any more interesting than what the weasel would have been if they would have used him. So I, I, I felt, you know, if you're going to have, your team get killed, have, have them be more throwaway characters. I, I suppose, I, I don't know, but, um, you know, John Cena is fine. I, I don't know that I have, uh, I've never, you know, I don't watch the fast and the furious and all that. So I don't know that I've ever seen him in a movie before. Oh, really? Yeah. I was trying to think of something else that he would have been in that He's I've in seen a lot of stuff anymore. I, He's in a lot of comedies. Actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm familiar with him. I just don't know that I've watched any of the movies, you know, that he's been in. He, he does a really good job. I mean, he's funny in it. His, his character is, is humorous for such a big guy. He, he is quite funny. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? He's, he's built like Schwarzenegger and you know, people think Schwarzenegger is funny. He's not all that funny. I mm-hmm. mean, he's good on screen, of course. And we've come to understand his, you know, his version of humor, but, He's not a funny guy. And John Cena no. turns out to be a funny guy. He's funny like, in interviews. You know, I've, I watched quite a few interviews, yeah. you know, for this movie. And he's funny. You know, he's funny. Um, then you have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And uh, I read a lot of um, a lot of the things that I read going into this movie. I tried to avoid spoilers, but I was just kind of getting what people thought of the overall tone and and all that. And I saw a lot where people were saying, oh, this is the best she's ever been as Harley Quinn or the what? best this character has been. And oh, whatever. they just uh, she's fine as the I mean, she does a great job as the character. I I don't really see any real difference in the first Suicide Squad and then the Harley Quinn, the Birds mm-hmm. of Prey movie. I enjoyed. I thought it was fine. And Did- this it's it's kind of all the same to me. So here's OK. I'm going to piss off a certain number of fans, hopefully not you, with these questions. But And, and I love Margot Robbie. I, you know, Margot Robbie, again, could read a phone book on screen. and it, she's, she's a great actor. The camera loves her. You know, she's a terrific actor. Uh, I just don't... I, and I get Harley Quinn in the comics. Like, I get it. as It's a foil to Joker. And on the page, it's the, the kind of Harlequin outfit... Okay, I mean, I understand. I don't need to think about it too much. In live action, I I don't I didn't get all the way through Birds of Prey. I turned it off about twenty minutes in, and just I found it utterly uninteresting to me. Um, I I would say I saw that in the theater, so I couldn't I couldn't turn it off. I I in it it gets better towards the end. I felt yeah. I mean, it's I, I, I thought it was pretty. Does you know, it, it was explain okay. her character? I mean, I know the backstory of the character Harley Quinn, but in all of these movies, 
other than, hey, I like Margot Robbie and she does that, you know, mostly consistent, really juicy, you know, New York accent. But what is she about? Like, she's not superhuman, right? Where did she learn to fight? Why is, what drives her? I mean, other than there's a big fight sequence, some of which they put this kind of really colorful looking. I mean, it was interesting looking CGI with the flowers and stuff lying around behind her, but I was like, why, what does this mean? Yeah. It's not explained. Yeah. Literally being eye candy. Right. And she has this big Kung Fu fight and you're like, well, she was a psychiatrist, right? So where does she learn to fight like a ninja? I mean, she's like and she's Scarlet a high witch here, you know. And she's a psychiatrist, and she becomes Harley Quinn, and she gets this New York accent and and poor grammar that that doesn't make any that never made any sense to me. Right. Why? So why her voice changes? You know, she's crazy. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Like, what is Harley Quinn? She's crazy. She was. Sort of became. Did the Joker? Did she take a dip in the same acid the Joker did? Is that the? That's what they is in the uh, comics. Well, that's what's in the suicide. The first Suicide Squad movie. Oh, you know he like takes her and dips her in the. So that's why she's all waxy white. Also, it's not makeup. She's all waxy white, and then she puts on the red lipstick and the Harlequin outfit because Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's crazy. Joker not present in this one, um, not present in Birds of Prey. I think they're trying to figure out what to do with Joker. Um, I don't know if Joker was ever part of the Suicide Squad, anyway. Um, but I, for Holly Quinn, I mean, I just I don't I don't I don't know why I care about this character. I mean, for for the Idris Elba character, they give you the daughter that's motivating him. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than everybody is like, oh, you get some time off your sentence. Nobody seems to there doesn't there's no drive to this. Nothing that's driving these characters to fight with passion or to you know what I mean? It's like other than just survival, you know, they don't want to get their heads exploded. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't but know. It just you feels don't... like they set up the premise and then off we merrily roll. And that's about it. And if you enjoy the ride, then congratulations. And if you need more than that, there isn't anything. And mm-hmm. I I enjoyed the ride more than I thought I would, but here we are talking about it. And I'm like, I don't know. I need something to care about. Why? We've seen Harley Quinn three movies now. And I think it's just because she's great and people like her in that outfit. And the thing is, I I wonder, we'll talk about the box office here as we go along, but I wonder if, do audiences care about this character? Because the first one made a bunch of money, um, about $750 million, and was viewed as a big disappointment. So then this was why, by by. Warner Brothers. So this is why they did this kind of reset. And, but then you had the Harley Quinn sort of solo movie, you know, Birds of Prey, where she's headlining it. That underperformed. And then this one hasn't done well. So do, do audiences really care all that much about this character? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I, and the only difference between the three is the first one, the first Suicide Squad, they hypersexualized her. You know, she has the little shorts and all that thing, and they way toned that down for the the Birds of Prey movie, yeah. and then this as well. well you know, I think they're the, not me too, and I think the times they are a change in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not going to second guess that decision, but I do think that was that's part of the hook in having Margot Robbie a, in that character. Yeah. Um, most actors and actresses working in Hollywood today have a body that would look great in a bathing suit, right? Mm-hmm. But she is she is very comfortable in her own skin and she's very good from you know you look at her other movies like wolf of wall street like she's very comfortable 
um, with that, um, it's that kind of you weaponizing it, right? I'm going to use it to manipulate, manipulate men. There's a trope here that I'm trying to, I don't want to put my foot in it. You know what I mean? But yeah, she's good at that. She's good at using her sex appeal as one of her tools. And she does it in a way on screen that doesn't feel gross. You know, it works. So she's, she's got that dynamite smile that is super sweet and intelligent and there's a wholesomeness to it, but then she can leaven the, uh, hyped up sex angle, uh, with that. Mm hmm. In a, in a way that I think super works. And she had great chemistry. She has great chemistry with Will Smith. There was another movie they did together that sizzled. You know, they just great chemistry on screen. Um, I don't know. I think there's a sort of, from that first one, there was a sort of a drunken master thing to her. It was sort of like, oh, well, I don't care. And she had a big hammer or something. And, you know, there was a little bit of a, almost a chaplain or busting Buster Keaton element to it, where she'd almost inadvertently take out a bunch of adversaries. You know what I mean? Or she just mm -hmm. kind of go waltzing into a room, swinging a bat. And then one thing leads to another and she's knocked them all out. You know what I mean? But there was a kind of a la di da arbitrary list to it that in this movie felt like they were, she had a kind of nothing bothers me too much thing, but there's a scene where they're torturing her with a taser. And there's yeah. a, you know, and you're kind of like, who is this character? That has to hurt. Yeah. And then the, the, and then her big fight sequence is incredibly choreographed and it goes on and on. Like she is a machine of war. She's like snake eyes from GI Joe. She's yeah. a one man army. <laughs> it's very well done. But like you said, how is this psychiatrist who became a crazy person, you know, have all these weapon skills and, and you know, these right. fight skills and everything? Where did that come from? Well, he's a supervillain or a superhero, mm -hmm. right? But, you and know, maybe I, that's explained somewhere in the comics and the lore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mostly for me, the beef is I don't know why I care about these people. And I knew why I cared about Idris Elba, because yeah. the movie took the time to give me th some things to care about. Um, but everybody else was expendable, and most of them did get expended. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Now, like the polka dot guy, that was fun. He was funny. He was an interesting, you know, he was a neat character. The rat catcher, you know, the, the woman with the rats, that was neat. You know, nothing about it was was bad, really, per se. Um a lot of also the hype with this, it's getting, it's gotten great reviews. It's like a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. And, um, you know, before I saw it, I saw some 10 out of 10 reviews and all of this, but a lot of what, um, a lot of what I saw and read was, oh, you know, you are just going to be blown away because this is so crazy and so out there. And, I read um, I read some quotes from from James Gunn where he said, you know, they were saying, is this going to be anything like Gar the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? And he said, no, you know, this is completely different because this is, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are family films, whereas these are, you know, for an adult audience. So, the, you know, this is a hard art. And that's true. You know, you have all the the swearing and they talk about dicks a lot in it and you know, uh, it's pretty juvenile humor. For yeah, it's it. You have all that and you have the, you know, the shark is ripping people apart and they're murdering all these people and everything. But. Other than that, the tone of this felt very much like Guardians of the Galaxy to me. It's Absolutely. the same kind of same kind of humor. So uh, so uh, flag Rick flag has been captured by, we assume the generalissimo's forces right the bad guys and so it's a new new mission go you gotta go save rick flag he's over there so they have a little screen that beeps where he is and so they go and there's this sort of jungle you know encampment 
that they sort of start, you know, catwalking into. And and it's just a festival of assassination. Right? And that's a fun scene. That's a fun scene. They one up each and, other. Yeah, yeah. And it escalates into this. Mm-hmm. They're just taking all these people out. And then the punchline of it is they, they finally burst in and there he is. And he's like, oh, hey, guys. Great news. You know, the freedom fighters, I ran into them and we're all going to go overthrow the generalismo. <laughs> These guys have just killed everybody in the game. And there's a kind of like, oh, uh, and I thought that was classic James Gunn, very mm-hmm. reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy um, and actually really worked. But I don't think yeah. the whole film worked as well as that. Some of it did. But you know what I mean? A little hot. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy this as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Did you? No, but I think that I think that the people you put together in Guardians of the Galaxy um, had great chemistry together, right? All of yeah. all of that cast has great chemistry together, and they have a shared purpose. So they're they're not a ragtag team being compelled to do something because their head will blow up if they don't. Mm-hmm. They become a family in space and i think that becomes the binding agent that premise that they're all sort of have each other and the first movie takes time for them to sort of wear off their sharpest edges with each other yeah and so that by the second movie and subsequent times you see them like in the avengers they're a team now they are they're a family in a spaceship really and so they still mess with each other and jive with each other, but it's cohesive and there's love there. And there's just not any love between the characters in this. Um, no, although there, that was another thing that I, that was a little bit humorous to me, not necessarily in, intended that they are the, all these super villains who've murdered all these people. But for the most part, except for, you know, you have this uh, kind of competition between John Cena and, um, and Idris Elba, but they're all kind of polite to each other. It's, you know what I mean? That was a little weird to me that it's just, you know, these hardened killers that are just there because they have to be, are all kind of nice to each other. That was a little strange. That makes me me think of one moment when they're all sitting there and and the rat catcher's talking to John Cena and she says something like, he says something about he's he's about all about peace and he doesn't matter care how many women, yeah. men, women and children he has to kill to achieve it. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great she turns, line. She turns to the polka dot guy. She goes, I thought you were the crazy one. He goes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there's definitely there's definitely good lines yeah, in this. You know, there's it's good bits to it. I love that. I love the concept of the polka dot guy. Everyone's his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that was funny. So that he they... turns and looks at the team, and it's literally his mother who doesn't come into the film except in his mind. And the shark is his mother. They're everyone's yeah. his, his mother. <laughs> that was very funny, you know. The and he says when they're going into and they take out all those freedom fighter guys, he says that he just when he's killing the people, he just imagines that they're all his mother, you know. So yeah, that was a that was a funny you know, funny concept. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the box office with this. So, you know, as I was saying before, the first one did only quote unquote, 750 million. And, you know, people didn't think it was very good and Warner brothers, you know, wasn't happy. So they decided to go in another direction and bring in James Gunn. And they were very insistent that this was not a sequel, that this was a new thing and a reimagining, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they go with the genius move of, they don't want to call it Suicide Squad 2 or whatever. So instead of calling it Suicide Squad, they call it The Suicide Squad. Right. Which to me is a big mistake because you just create confusion with the audience um, doing that, in, in my opinion. You know, you you have the hardcore comic book people, but to get to a billion dollars, which seems to be the the goal with all these films, you got to get a lot of people in that are just casual viewers of this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I have to imagine that there were some people who were, who were like, oh, I saw that one already, you know? Um, and so um, the, they also did the thing of, um, you know, as we said, we watched this on HBO Max. So it, 
it came out in theaters and on HBO Max in the same day. And they were hoping for about 30 million in the theater that opening weekend. And it did 26. Um, and, you know, so a lot of people are saying, well, it's COVID and, uh, you know, HBO Max, had it not been on HBO Max, you know, it would have done bigger numbers. But some of the projection that I've seen for that, it, it maybe would have done about 60 if it hadn't been on HBO Max. The first did 133 its opening weekend. Hmm. So they're saying this is the biggest drop ever from a first movie to a sequel with opening weekends. And you can say, oh, go ahead. I mean, I'm still not super comfortable. I'm not rushing back to the movie theater. Right. And that's indoors, right? I mean, yeah. I've even, well, I don't dine indoors too much, but I go indoors to shop and stuff, and we haven't been wearing masks, although it seems like masks are going to come back on here. It's looking like it, yeah. But, you know, and I love going to the movies, but I'm not, I haven't been in any rush to go into a big room that has been full of different groups of people. And that's a good point, but um, the num- so this came out last weekend, so this weekend... The number one movie was this new movie with Ryan Reynolds called Free Guy, where he's mm-hmm. like a guy trapped in a video game. And it made about this. It actually made a couple million more than what Suicide Squad opened at. And it was a film that was part of the switch over from Fox to Disney. It was supposed to come out a year or two ago. And so it was delayed for a long time and it opened at number one and the suicide squad dropped down to number five. Hmm. And I mean, that's a huge drop. Um, and also, I mean, I guess you could say things have changed in the last couple of months, but the newest, um, fast and the furious, you know, that came out in may and that did, like around $700 million, I think worldwide. So people went to see that. It did over 300 and some here. So people went to see that, you know, you know what I mean? So I kind of wonder, it's hard to say with COVID, but you have to go ahead. Isn't, you know what I mean? Things have been changing so much and it depends. It's true. I don't know. I, I just think it's a big variable. I don't, I don't. It's true. You, you may not be able to say, yeah, but COVID, uh, but you also shouldn't be like COVID has no effect on any of this. No, no. <laughs> right. No, not at all. But I don't really care what it makes. Um, I just, my whole point with this is I wonder if we are maybe at kind of, we've hit peak superhero where maybe it takes, um, because the Birds of Prey didn't movie didn't do well, and that was way before COVID. Um, and the one thing that you have with these with the previous Suicide Squad is it had the Joker in it, even though people weren't very happy with the Joker, that version of him. But it was terrible. Yeah, but pretty much you put the Joker in a movie, and it makes a ton of money. You know, now we've had, you know, you had the Joaquin Phoenix Joker which was really great and you know, it did a billion dollars, but it's a little interesting to me that the, the studios as much as they want to take something and just, if it makes money, just beat it to death until you can't get any more money out of it. I'm almost surprised that they don't use the Joker more than what they do. Just shoo shoehorn the Joker in every, you know, we're going to do a movie about Joker when he was a teenager and then we're going to do Joker in space. And you know what I mean? It's uh I don't know. It's it's I guess we're going to it's going to be a couple of years before we if you know hopefully covid will be behind us at some point. But you just wonder even looking at I think there's there's a tie in with James Gunn here where you had, you know, he was the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy and that was the first Marvel movie where people were saying, "Ah, this one's not going to work because nobody knows these characters. And then it did really well. And it was, Oh, Marvel can do anything. They can, you know, they can use any characters and it's, and it's going to do well. But now we're past that, whatever it was, phase one or phase two that ended with the Avengers. 
And now they're getting into the next things or the Eternals and Shang-Chi and all these things that, you know, having grown up reading comic books, I don't know those characters. Right. So it's, it's just going to be interesting to see. I know DC and Marvel are completely different animals, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see going forward how all these things are going to perform, I think. Uh I think there's a reason that you've heard of Spider-Man and you've heard it's not sure just our, it's not just our generation. Yeah. It's because those are tentpole iconic. You've heard of them because they're great characters. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know. Maybe the Eternals are great. I don't know what that is. Um, I couldn't name any of the Eternals. I, you know, I don't know what that is either. So. I think there's maybe it's maybe they're great, but I know there was a certain it was like when we finished all the Lord of the Rings movies and I loved those, but I was almost relieved. I was just like, oh, whew, OK, mm-hmm. oh, boy, I'm glad. And I own them all, but it's like I'm glad that they made those and I'm glad that they're great. Um, and now I'm ready for something else, <laughs> you know, and they would with, with the Infinity War Marvel 10 years finally finished that was kind of like oh wow amazing that they did all that that was crazy you know but i don't want to rush out if they made another like triptych of avengers movies i don't know how excited probably see them but i don't know how excited i would be to be like oh great more yeah right like, yeah, I don't know. And Iron Man is a cool character, but if they say, "Okay, now it's going to be Roddy as Iron Man," I'm I'm just like, I don't know. And and I like Don Cheadle. Yeah. Right, but I don't know. It's Tony Stark's dead, so I don't know. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say in regards to that. I did I, as a little aside. I watched um. There is a new Marvel series called What If? I don't yeah. know if you've seen about that or not. And um, so they're is that out. Yeah, the first one hit and uh, is on Disney. I, yeah, it's on Disney. And so these are animated. And um, I always what if, you know, was a character that a that comic. Marvel did, you know, when I was a kid and I always enjoyed them because it was these alternate kind of alternate universe, you know, what if this happened? And in this one, it was what if instead of Steve Rogers being Captain America, it was uh, the the woman who is his love interest. I can't remember what her name is, but Agent Carter or whatever she is. Yeah. So she's the one that gets the super serum and becomes, it's kind of funny because they have, she has a British flag on her, on her shield instead of an American flag, but so she's essentially the Captain America. They call her something else, but they don't call her Captain Britain, which that was another character from Marvel. But so it's pretty fun. The um, the animation is pretty good and, you know, they can do some neat things with that. But but there's just the first first episode out so far. So cool. It's entertaining. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. It's probably like PG-13 <laughs> level, like people get shot and stuff in it. You know, so it's not super um, squeaky clean Disney, but, you know, along the lines of the other movies, sure, I would say. But yeah. So back to this. So what what kind of rating would you give Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad? Um, seven. Yeah, I'm in that area. I, I thought I don't I don't think I disliked the original as much as you did the original. I would say probably about a six. And this is seven, maybe seven and a half. Um, I mean, yeah, it's if you're excited about the property, I think you'll have fun. And but, so many people have HBO Max that. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. If you get HBO Max, it's on there. You, you can it start strong. So if it you does. if you watch the first 15 or 20 minutes and you're enjoying yourself, go ahead, keep watching it. Um, and if you watch the first 15 minutes of it and you're like, eh, then you're not it's not going to get better for you. <laughs> you know, that's the thing with, you know, that's I've and I've said this. I'm probably a broken record on it, but that's the thing with so many comic book movies is 
they don't have great endings, you know, because it's always just a big fight at the end. I, uh, I'd i say Logan was a movie that the ending was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, but, but, you know, they all kind of turn into the same thing by the end. They've all got to fight. And this one, they fight a giant starfish, you know. Right. So... I thought That's how they fine. killed it was pretty inventive, though. I did, yeah. I liked that. I th- I thought that was that was neat. I I liked the uh, I liked the rats a lot. I I thought the rats were were cool. How they how she controlled them. Yeah, and, and I liked that it way. didn't turn. There's a little one with a backpack that kept like putting out its hand, waving, it, raising its hand, and they're like, "Is that rat waving at me?" <laughs> yeah. 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 Why? Oh, he's friendly. You know, and I just thought, oh, would this rat turn out to be a monster or something? Nope. It was just a very friendly, very sweet rat. <laughs> you know, he freaked everybody guess, out. He, Idris Elba was a, had a rat phobia, and he would yeah. bring... There's one part, part where he brings him a leaf, and she's like, oh, he's brought you a leaf as a present. And he's like, why is the rat bringing me a present? I don't want a leaf. You know, that was... Yeah. Idris Elba is really good. I tell you, they... I know they're not going to do it because they're going to say he's too old, but I wish they would let him be James Bond. I think he's the perfect guy for the role. He could be great. Yeah. He could be great in that role. They're going to want to go with somebody young because they're going to want to make, you know, 19 more movies with that guy. But he would be awesome because he could do. He could do the action. He could do the suave, you know, ladies man thing he could do all of it you know there could be a whole there could be a chapter in his later you know what i mean like they're doing an older indiana jones he could be an older bond i guess secret agents don't gracefully you know they kind of have a short violent end Mm -hmm. they don't really retire but i don't know and they, I don't know exactly what was geriatric, you know? Yeah, no, no. And I don't know exactly what age, um, what's his name? You know, the current guy was when he started, but he wasn't super young. It wasn't like he was 25. I think um, he's probably in his forties and he's probably in his fifties now. And yeah, he looks yeah. great and he still reads in his forties. Yeah. He's been awesome, you know, but I would be fine with, um, if they, I think it'd be great if they did a thing like they're like Warner brothers is doing where they're going to have a bunch of different people playing Batman at the same time. Yeah. Have more than one actor play James Bond and more than one movie. When is you that know? coming out? The Batman? Uh, I think it's next summer. I want to say, so they have that and then they it's have the Joker. The, Joker's not in that. I don't think so. You know, unless they, I think it's, it's penguin and Riddler. Um, I believe. And then you have the, um, so they have that and they have the flash movie, which Michael Keaton is coming back for as his version of Batman, but older, um, which, which could be interesting. And then there's a Ben Affleck Batman in there again, somewhere they've been working on that. I mean, that's actually, you know, they're filming. So yeah, they're just, going to be like, yeah, hey, we're just all all these different people playing Batman all at once. So I am, I guess, yeah. getting a little bit of superhero fatigue. And I'm yeah. into it, but I'm sort of like, I want to see some other movies besides just superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I'll tell you about something. This is not a movie, but a show that I have been watching. If you want to see something that's really different, um, the show hit Netflix called Brand New Cherry Flavor. And... I had read of I knew about this because I'd read a review. It doesn't um, it's a Netflix production and but I didn't see it in new releases or anything like that. So it might be a little bit, you know, if people aren't looking for it, it might be a little bit hard to find. But it's a series. It's an eight episode series. It's based on a book that I hadn't heard of before. And in what I've read, people are saying it's kind of a cross between uh, or a combination of Lynch and Cronenberg, mm-hmm. which I don't totally see. Um, basically, the gist of it is it's in the early 90s, which doesn't really have anything for, for whatever reason. That's just the time place that it takes place. But there would be nothing to it to indicate that it's early 90s other than just their cars. But like the, 
you know, and they don't have cell phones, but their clothing, it could just be today, you know, it, and all that. And there's no, it's not like they're playing early nineties music that I'm familiar with, but at any rate, it's this woman who go, she's directed, written and directed a short film. She goes to Hollywood where this producer wants to turn her short film into a feature. And so he makes this deal with her and the deal is that she's going to direct and then he screws her over and gets somebody else to direct and she's pissed and she uh, gets involved with this woman who's a witch who they then curse the producer guy and all kinds of weird stuff happens after that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it doesn't feel like Lynch to me because this movie is surreal and trippy, but, or the show rather, and I'm six episodes in, I still have a couple more left. Um, but Lynch to me always feels like it's so surreal that it can be nonsensical, uh, where you're just like, I don't understand what's happening or what any of this means. Whereas this show is not like that. It's weird and trippy, but I never feel like I'm lost. And also with Lynch, I never know if Lynch is supposed to be funny or not, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's weird stuff happens and like somebody's getting beaten to death and it's like, am I, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be scary? Whereas this clearly a lot of it is played for laughs. It's not, it's not slapstick, but, um, one of the really weird things that happens in the movie is, or in the show is the witch, uh, the payment that she requires from the woman is that every so often she will get sick and she throws up a kitten. <laughs> and then the woman retrieves, the witch retrieves these kittens from her that she's vomited up. And all throughout it, you know, people are making, they're like, are you okay? You know, you just, a kitten just came out of you. So, I mean, it's like they're, you know, they're clearly meaning for it to be humorous and not, you know, necessarily frightening or whatever. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think you might enjoy it. It's, I wouldn't call it horror. They are, she sees these spooky ghost-like things here and there, but it's, and it's not, there's one scene in it that is very uh, Cronenberg body humor thing. It's just like, okay, this is just like a Cronenberg movie. Um, But it's, I don't know. I think you might enjoy it. Watch it and let me know what you think of it. It's definitely different than, you know, than anything that you're going to be watching right now. Um, But it's one of those, to me, it's one of those things that's cool about Netflix is there's no way that something like this would have, you know, it's good production values, well acted. Right. Uh, Other than the woman who's the witch, I don't know that you'd recognize anybody in this, but they're all, you know, do a really good job. But something like this would never get this. This would never come out in a movie theater. You know, right. it's just it's just too weird. And right. it's just one of these things that you just feel like Netflix was just like, hey, we're going to buy this book and we're just going to we're going to make this and just throw it out there and see what happens. You know. So, yeah, I, I think you would be like I say, it's not going to be it's not predictable. Um, and it's it's I, I think it's something that you might be into. Cool. I will 100% check it out. Brand new cherry flavor is what it's called. What should we discuss for our next meeting? I don't know. I have. Is there anything that you thought about that you really want to, you've been dying for, I know we, I know it was just a couple of weeks ago that we did the last uh, Tom Cruise, but we were talking about legend. Oh, we were talking about legend and we've been talking about dark city too. dark city. Oh, and dark city is kind of timely because the, uh, Alex Broyas who directed dark city has revealed that he is working on a dark city TV show. No kid. Okay. Well, there yeah. we go. So let's do dark city for next time. Okay. That's a, that's a terrific. Movie. I have not seen that in sometime in the nineties when Many I watched moves. that yet, but I have it on, I have it on blu-ray, which I think I never watched the blu-ray. I've seen it oh. before, but. Um, but I don't think I ever watched my blue so I can dust off the Blu-ray disc that I've had for 10 years or whatever. And so, yeah. Great. So, uh, next week we're going to be watching dark city, which you can, you can get it on Apple and you can get it on. It's definitely on streaming stuff. Yeah. I just looked. Okay. So, all right, cool. 
Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. Hit us up. We're on the socials. Like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, oh, et cetera. One yeah. thing before we go, I wanted to do a shout out to Sergio in Spain who gave us a five-star rating. So we were trying to figure out who gave us the star, five-star rating, and it turned out it was Sergio. So Gracias. be like, if you like the show, be like Sergio. <laughs> like and subscribe. And, and that could rhyme. If you like the show, be like Sergio. Give us a five-star review, and then more people hopefully will find us. That's right. And it costs you nothing. There's no charge. Nothing but your time. Um, excellent. Well, we're, we're a little shy of an hour, but I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think the Suicide Squad merited a full hour. Yeah, it's time. just, there wasn't, I mean, I think we were kind of, you know, pretty on board. It's, it's entertaining. It's not going to change your life. It was, it's a fun movie. I don't think I'll be revisiting this anytime soon. Probably you know. not. Yeah, me but neither. it was fine. But I am looking forward to revisiting Dark City yes. next week and seeing how um, you know the. T- it's probably been ten years since I've seen it. So and this was what about a like a ninety when it came out like ninety six, ninety seven, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, very young. Um, no, it has Jennifer Connelly. It has Jennifer Connelly in it. Yeah, it has. Uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in a weird role. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some other people that I don't remember what their names are. But um, watch it with us. Yes. If you've never seen it, this is a great opportunity. And then listen to us talk about it. And send us an email with your thoughts. Yes, as well. That's your homework. That's your <laughs> We don't want to give people homework. Exactly. They're going to not want to. <laughs> we need an incentive, not a disincentive. Um, okay, well, uh, this has been great. It's been a pleasure talking to you, as always, Chris. Yeah, it's the same for me. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>